Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Are you ready? All right. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Give somebody a high five. Say, that's good. That's good praying. That's good praying. Some of y'all, that's more than you've ever prayed in your life. All right, so that's good. That's a good word for you. But listen, we are closing up this section, uh, and this is what we've been doing. We've been learning to pray, right? We've been le- How many of y'all are learning to pray? I'm, I'm learning to pray. I've been learning to pray since, since 1993, right? When I started really praying. Now I prayed when I was a kid, you know, Lord, don't let me die tonight, all that kind of stuff. But really pray. If I am willing to pray that, I Lord, don't let me die, you know, uh, so that kind of stuff. But uh, we're hanging, you know, hanging out onto the toilet late at night going, Lord, if you sober me up and I can stop puking, I'll never do this again, right? And many of them made those commitments and you broke them. And so, did a long time ago. So, but what we've been learning is, 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 as we go through this prayer is Jesus has given us a formula, if he will, he's given us an outline to pray. So when we pray, it's important that we have the proper posture, right? That's why he's saying, don't pray like this. There's a right way and a wrong way to pray. And he said, when you pray, you address God as father, which is, which is really abstract for the thinkers of the time. When you, when you pray, you ask, ask your father. It's our father. It's not just your father or my father. It's our collective heavenly father who is in heaven. And we have access and he is our father because we've received the spirit of adoption through Jesus. And now we're able to approach the Lord, but we don't approach him like he's bro. Right? We approach him with reverence. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your name is holy. You're great. You're powerful. So we, our posture is one of humility and our, our posture is one of reverence. And then we talked about the priority of prayer. So when we get into this next verse, it's, it's, it's declarative. It's not asking. It's saying, kingdom come will be done. It's not a, it's not a, we're not, we're not asking for permission. We're declaring God's dominion on the earth as it is in heaven, right? Not as it is on the earth. If the earth is a little bit better, no, as it is in heaven, the will of God to be done. And then we pray about provision, right? We, we, we get into our needs and we're praying. We're saying, Lord, I, I got all this stuff. I got bills to pay. I've got kids to raise. I've got a, I've got a, a, an issue with my spouse. I've got needs in my life. I have, I, I need your provision, right? And so when we need God's provision, we understand that he's a good God and it's his glory to provide for us, but not according to earthly resources. Come on. But it's according to what? His riches and glory. Come on. It's not about your job or your your parents, if you're 32, living in the basement, they're not the ones, they're not your provider. God's your provider, right? So we pray persistently, specifically, and confidently. And then a couple weeks ago when we talked about when we're in that place of prayer, we enter into a place of purging. And we start saying, Lord, oh, I know whenever I was cussing underneath my breath, that that person at Walmart that that cut me off in the parking lot or was honking at me. Lord, I, I know that whenever I was cussing them out, I was offending you. And so, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of when I was looking at those websites 
or those profiles that I haven't that I shouldn't be looking on. I'm asking Lord, do you forgive me? Forgive me when I when I reacted out of anger towards my spouse or my children. Lord, would you forgive me those things? And Lord, I forgive those that have sinned against me. I don't want to carry it. And I'm Lord, search my heart. And we get into this place of purging. We're just getting rid of all that junk. This is what you're doing when you're praying. And then and then we get into what we talked about last week. We say, Lord, speaking of sin, keep it far from me. Right? Lord, I know you're not going to tempt me, but Lord, would you keep sin far, far from me and deliver me from evil. Deliver me from the evil one. So Lord, develop a resilience in me that I can withstand evil. Amen? And so then we get into this line, which is like the grand finale, right? It's like it's like the, 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 the climactic ending of our prayer. And it's not this like, Lord, if you will, with a question mark. No, no, no. It ends with an exclamation point. It ends with yours is the kingdom. Yours, God, is the power. Yours is the glory forever. Amen. So when you end up your prayer time, which we do all the time, when we end up our prayer time, in Jesus' name, amen. And a lot of times we just talked about our need or we prayed for our food or prayed for, no, no, no. When you get to that place at the end of your prayer, you just start partying. You just start saying, Lord, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the power, Lord, forever. Amen. And that's where we need to get when we're praying. It's not, we're not ending it with, you know, kind of ending a conversation. Bye, bye, see you. No, we're ending with a party. We're ending with a party. So we're, we're talking about praise. Praise. Now, in your Bible, in your paper Bible or your digital Bible, you might see that there is sometimes a footnote or sometimes this line isn't even included. Has anybody else ever noticed that? It doesn't say that. And the reason is, is because some of the earliest texts, the earliest manuscripts of where we got the Bible did not really, there was some some question on the textual criticism of whether or not Jesus actually told us to pray this. And so some of the earlier manuscripts didn't have it. However, we have other manuscripts that were like written around 70 AD within the first century that did have it. So did Jesus tell us to pray this or or did Jesus leave that part out? I don't know. But what I can tell you is this, is that it is a good directive because this directive is not just here, it's all throughout the scriptures. And so take courage when you see that in the, in the, in the scripture and you go, oh my gosh, can I trust the word of God? Because it says this wasn't an early manuscript. No, you, it makes you trust it more because someone said when they were doing the translation, they said, this might not be actually what Jesus said, so we're letting you know that. How terrible would it be if they left it in there and they didn't tell you that? So, so it's actually, we can trust the word of God more because that footnote's in there. Come on, so we know that people that, have, that, that handled the text handled it carefully. Come on, so this is an indicator that we can trust the word of God. Okay, so what this is called at the end of praise is called a doxology. Everybody say doxology. Now listen, I know you're charismatic. I know that that's, that's, that's a weird word. I'm a, I'm, I'm a Holy Ghost, Pentecost spirit-filled guy. Doxology sounds like doxology. I mean, it does not sound very exciting to me, but we see doxologies all throughout the scripture. Many of Paul's writings, he, he ends with a prayer, and there's a, and all praise to God our Father, those type of things. What is it? That, that is basically, it's just a liturgical formula of praise to God. Liturgical means like something that you say every day, okay? And so, as spirit-filled believers, sometimes we don't get really excited about traditions. Come on, we don't get really excited about liturgy. 
you know, some other um, what we might call non-evangelical Christians, you know, they're, they're Catholics or your old school Lutherans, they might do a lot of liturgy, right? They read prayers. And us Pentecostals, we're like, I don't read prayers. You pray, pray. You go after it. You get the Holy Ghost in it, right? That's how we are. And so sometimes we'll dismiss these things that are, that are full of great content simply because people are doing it out of tradition and it's been harm, heartless. And so what I would encourage you to do is I would encourage you to take things like liturgy and apply the Holy Ghost to it. Come on. And so it's good. Tradition is good if you know the intention and you keep the heart of it. And so there's a lot of people that say these prayers, our Father, every time they pray, they, don't, they live like the devil, right? Like other, the whole other time, they never live like Jesus except for when they're praying this prayer, right? And so we know that there are a lot of people that have this practice, but, but listen, and, and Jesus was very firm on that, right? He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. We see this throughout some of the, the prophets of old. They said, God said, hey, listen, I'm tired of your feasts. I'm tired of your celebration. I'm tired of your religious activities because your heart is distant. Your heart is not connected. So there is a warning there in scripture, but listen, it is important that you have good practices, right? Because practice makes you better, <laughs> right? So practices produce patterns, so if you want to have a prayer life, that's the reason why we gave you that bookmark. So you have a liturgical prayer to pray and to lead you and to guide you. And hopefully you've gotten some revelation through this series. And as you're going through those points, you have your Bible open. You can just kind of get off the script and then go back to it. It's an outline. And a lot of the content that we've been using is taken from a book that was written about 35 years ago, maybe even further back than that, called Can You Not Tarry an Hour? And it was by this guy named Larry Lee who who pastored a church in the Metroplex. It's just a phenomenal book, and, and this is all he's doing. He's like using the Lord's Prayer to be able to pray an hour, and uh, it's a great book, and so I've, I've stole some things from that, and uh, so it's been really good. So practice produces patterns, and how many know that praise is a productive pattern? Praise is a productive pattern. So praise, I would say it this way. Prayer and praise are the wings of one eagle. Prayer and praise are the wings of one eagle. Where is that eagle going? That eagle is going before the presence of God. And listen, when you are praying, you're not just praying, you're also praising. Come on, you're also celebrating the Lord. So you guys remember that story. When I, talk, when I, when I start talking about praise, I always think of this story that's in Joshua chapter 6 where Joshua goes in and wins the battle of Jericho. Do you, are you guys familiar with this story? And so the, the story goes like this, is that there were the children of Israel were wandering in the desert. We talk about that a lot for 40 years, a lot longer than they were supposed to be there, and they're wandering there. They're not warriors. They're, you know, all they've done for the last 40 years is circle around the desert and survive. God's provided everything for them. They weren't real hard workers. They didn't follow. There, there was nothing good about those people. However, they were God's people. Oh, come on. They were God's people, and God still had a promise for them, even though the performance wasn't well. How many of you ever feel like that? Hey, I'm not going to be doing too good, but I belong to God. Right? How many are grateful for that? Because God provides well for those that are his. And so they've been wandering around the desert, and God had promised them the land of Canaan. In fact, that's where they were on their way to whenever they got stuck in the desert. And so it's time. Moses dies. He got into some disobedience of the Lord, and he didn't finish well. Let's just be honest. Moses didn't finish well. So God says, you know what? Joshua, my servant Joshua, will take the people in. And if you remember, Joshua was one of the few people that actually believed that they could have taken the land 40 years prior. And so Joshua crosses the Jordan. 
There's a message there. Goes to this city called Jericho. Now, now it says this in the scriptures that Jericho was tightly, it was, was, uh, was, was tightly held by, by its walls. That it was tight. Uh, there was a, an old Carmen song. Uh, you, you know Carmen? He, he passed away a couple months ago. Just, you know, really sad. But when I, when I came to the Lord, Carmen was like the guy. He was like the, he's like the Christian something. I don't know. The Christian Elvis. <laughs> but actually, it's pretty accurate. And so he was, you know, so Carmen had all these awesome songs. <laughs> he said no. And he had all these, all these awesome songs that he would teach in the scripture through the songs. And so he had a song that was I don't know the name of it, but he was sharing about the story of Jericho. And I remember seeing human videos, and every time he would say, God has given us the city, he would go, God has given us the city. Like that, the human videos, if you guys know that. So, But one of the things that he talks about in that song is he says the walls of Jericho were so thick, it was such a fortified city, that its walls were so thick that they would have chariot races on top. So this is, a, this is a picture of how, and I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know that it was known for its security. And here you have a bunch of people that aren't warriors, that aren't builders, come on, and they're called to go and take the city. Well, God had promised them the city. And in fact, he says in, in verse 2 of Joshua 6, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all of its strong warriors. So God had given them this promise. It was there. And so what God tells them to do is, he says, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take six days, and I want you to march around that city, all the children of Israel, and march around the city for six days, but don't say a word. All I want you to do is just think about my goodness. All I want you to do is just think about my promise. All I want you to do is just march around every day. You know, it takes about a week to develop a habit, right? And so every day, they're just going around that city not saying anything. They don't have cell phones. Can you imagine the self-discipline that that took? I mean, I would not make it past day one. I'd be like, hey, we were going, how many more times do you think we're going to go around? How long do you think it's going to take? I mean, that's, that's me, right? No phones, none of that. They're just marching around, silent. They're developing a pattern. They had a pattern with a purpose. What's awesome about them going around the city is the Ark of the Covenant was in the midst of them. Right in the middle, what is the Ark of the Covenant? The presence of God. So listen, you can have good parent, good patterns, but if you don't have the presence of God at the center of that pattern, it's doing you no good. You might think it's doing good. You go, oh man, I got a good body. I'll go to the gym every day. Well, good for you. But is the presence of God involved in it? Or is it just so you can look better? I'm glad you look better. I wish I looked a little bit better. You're looking good for me. But are you doing it for the glory of God or are you doing it for the glory of you? Is the presence of God at the center? That's for somebody. So, not you, Zach Massa. So we're, so they're marching around. <laughs> you got the presence, we know, we know. You got all the glory. So they're marching around for, for six days. But on the seventh day, they change the pattern up. They do it the same as they've done it the, every single day, but except for at the end. Just like your prayer, you're just circling around. But when you get to the end of the prayer, it's not just a time to go, in Jesus' name, amen. No, no, it is a time where you go, exclamation point. And this is what happens. He says, blow the trumpet of Jubilee. Blow the victory trumpet. They blow that trumpet. And the people shout. 
And this is what it says. Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. How many of you know that the praise precedes the victory? And the victory was theirs, but they had to let their praise out first. And I can guarantee you that the praise came after, but the praise was also prior. And so, similar to the Lord's Prayer, we're just circling around those issues, circling around all those needs, going through that thing, and then we get to that part, that doxology. And listen, I would encourage you, beloved, and really the only prayer tip today is this, is whenever you get to the end of your praise, you celebrate. You celebrate. I'm not talking about you just sit there and meditate. Oh, God, I just thank you. You're so good. No, no, you celebrate because praise precedes the victory. Uh, Psalm chapter 67, verse 5, it says, May the nations praise you, oh God. Yes, may the nations praise you. Then, then the earth will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will richly bless you. The praise comes before the blessing. The praise comes before the harvest. Praise precedes the victory. See, there may be a victory that you've been longing for that you just need to go ahead and praise God for now. You don't wait till you get the victory. You're praising God now. You have something to praise him for now. See, some of you, you will never, you will never see breakthrough because you're too caught up in you. You're too caught up in your situation. Well, I would praise God whenever my wife acted better. I'd praise God when my children behaved. I'll praise God when I get the house paid off or I'll get out of debt. I'll praise God. Now, how about you? Hold up. How about you praise God before you see the victory? And I can tell you this. If you will learn to praise God in the midst of the heat and the quiet and the silence and that which is not moving, you will see some walls fall. You will see some promises land in your lap. And this is the awesome thing about it is it's not going to be because of your effort. And you're going to go, God did it. And then when you get to the next city, you're going to be able to look back and go, God, I thank you that you did it then, and I know you're going to do it now. Yeah. I, I believe this, that the Christian should spend 10, 10 times more praising God than we do one time to complain about something. We are the most complaining, grumbling. We just, no wonder, no wonder we're not seeing revival. We just sit around complaining about politics, complaining about the government, complaining about masks, complaining about not wearing masks, complaining about my virus, complaining about the internet, complaining about the preacher, complaining, 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 no revival. Why? Because we've let praise be absent from our lips. Some of you ain't going to find, you're like, I, I just need some victory in my life. Have you praised today? And when we talk about praise, we're not talking about simply a, a, a posture of gratitude or just being thankful. You can be thankful and you can be grateful. And listen, that is, listen, you want peace in your life, you've got to learn to have gratitude in your heart. This is absolutely scriptural. You get to a place where you have contentment. You're like, God, I'm just so, I'm just so grateful. Thank you, Lord. There, there, is a, there is a great place in gratitude. Peace can only be found through the spirit of gratitude. It's the only thing. So gateway, the posture of gratitude is a gateway to peace, but, but praise is an expressive celebration. See, this quiet, meditative gratitude, that's not praise. That's gratitude. 
That's thankfulness. You need that. If you have that, you'll have peace. But beloved, if you want joy, if you want joy, you're going to have to learn to use this thing right here that God gave you called your mouth. And you're going to need to start declaring the victory and the goodness of God, and you will watch joy take over. You say, oh, pastor, I don't know. I, I got a little bit different personality, a little bit temperament than you. I'm an introvert. I'm a this. I'm a that. I'm a that. Listen, you can make excuses all day long and live in bondage. Or you can get outside of who you are and start declaring God for who he is. You might not be as loud as I am, but you probably need to be a little louder if you want to see some things happen in your life. So praise is an expressive celebration. There's a, a show that the kids used to watch called Yo Gabba Gabba. Anybody ever see Yo Gabba Gabba? And so Yo Gabba Gabba is kind of like, it's kind of like Sesame Street on acid. And it would be really good for your kids to watch so they don't do acid. <laughs> this is bizarre, but it's awesome. I really like it. It was my favorite one. I'm like, yeah. They had this guy in there named DJ Lance. And he's like a beanpole, super skinny. He's got like a jam box. He looked like he came out of like 1979. It was awesome. They had Jack Black on there one time, which is always fun. And so they, they talk, you know, well, you need to eat some good food, you know, DJ Lance. Hey, you want food? Yeah, we want carrots, 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 whatever the song is. It's just always a song. It's always a party. And so they're talking about eating all the good food, and DJ Lance is like, you got to eat your carrots, carrots, carrots. And so after they eat the carrots, there's this one episode where they had this song, and I still remember the song. And the song was this. After they ate the carrots, they go, there's a party in my tummy. So yummy, so yummy. There's a party in my tummy. Yeah. Right? Something like that. Listen, did you know that there's a party in your tummy? There's a song in your belly. Right? There's a party in your belly. Come on, you need to let that party out because that party is the party that's going to bring the walls down. It's not just going to bring the roof down. Come on, it's going to bring the walls down for the victory that you need to see. And let, let me help you overflow church with something. Because I love you, and I'm your pastor. I've been serving the Lord for almost 30 years. I've got, I've got some years. It's longer than some of y'all been alive. 1993, I came to the Lord. And what I learned early on, and a lot of it I learned at Christ for the Nations at their camp that they do every summer. And I learned how to praise God. Now, I'm not talking about worship. Worship comes now because God's coming, and you're just like, oh, it's so good. But I learned. I learned how to dance a little bit. It wasn't pretty, but I was just moving to the beat most of the time, to the beat. I learned how to move around a little bit. I learned to, to shout a little bit. And did you know I've seen a lot, a lot of victories in my life. But I had to learn to get outside of shy 18-year-old Josh Brown to get into that place. It's not because I'm bold or because of my personality. It's because I know the power of praise. These, these words, well, that's just not, get over you. Get over you or just stay where you're at because that's where you'll be. But if you want victory, if you want to see some walls fall, you're going to have to learn to get that song out of your mouth. You're going to need to learn to get that shout out of your mouth, regardless of your temperament or how you were raised. So biblical. Look, listen, these are just seven, seven Hebrew words for praise. This isn't even all of them. This is seven. Halal, to laud, boast, rave, celebrate, hundred times in the scripture. 
celebrate, rave. Because ever see what people do to rave? Yeah, that, think that. Yadah, to worship with extended hands, to throw the hands. So when you're in worship and you're doing that, yadah. That's what you're doing. You're being biblical. 90 times in the scripture. Is that not enough? Barak, it's the same word for bless. We're going to do a series uh, starting next month called The Blessing. That means to declare God the origin of power for success, prosperity, and fertility. 70 times, Barak, blessing the Lord. Tahiliah, to shout or laud 50 times, just boasting on the Lord. Zamar, to pluck with the strings of an instrument. Come on. Sometimes the only instrument you know how to play is that 10-string one, right? To pluck the strings of an instrument. Todah, to extend the hands in thanksgiving, a thank offering. A thank offering. Shabak, to commend, address in a loud tone, to shout over 70 times. When is the last time you shouted unto the Lord? I know, I know some of y'all were shouting this week. Whenever they had the draft, the NFL draft. Some of y'all spent some time shouting. Some of y'all was doing, was doing some shouting when you were watching NASCAR. I don't know why, but you were. But when was the last time you shouted at the end of your prayer time? When was the last time you shouted during church? Listen, when we get together on a Sunday morning, it's not just a time to come and be inspired and meditate. Yes, all of that. But it's also a time to celebrate. Listen, it should be a Holy Ghost party every week, not because our church is great, but because our God is. Let it out. Praise is an expressive celebration. There's nothing quiet about it. If you've been blessed with a voice, use it. You yell at your kids. Yell to God. So the prayer tip is celebrate when you pray. Praise is a confident confession. Praise is a confident confession. Something was building those six days. Something was building. You know what was building? They had that word from the Lord. I think when they got back to camp every night, Joshua said, listen, gang. I know it's quiet. I know it's hard. I know it's hot. I know your legs are aching. It's a big city. I know it looks like this is ridiculous, but I'm telling you, God told me. I'm telling you, God told me he is going to give us the city. So let's do it God's way. See, some of y'all want God's thing, but you're not willing to do it God's way. God don't bless what ain't his. God don't bless what ain't his. Some of you, some of you want God to do stuff in your life. And you're not doing it God's way. You can't expect the blessing of God. These people are, God just blessed me my whole life. Probably not. That's probably your blessing. You want his blessing, you got to do it his way. And it's way better than your blessing. So praise is a faith expression. And it's exactly what, the, God, we've seen you. We've seen you. We saw you take care of us for 40 years miraculously in the wilderness. We believe you're going to do it again. I believe that wall is going to come down. I believe it's going to come out when I say it. It's confidence. It's a, it's a, praise is a faith expression. It's placing confidence in who he says he is and what he will do. So points of praise. These are the points of praise. This is what we have right here in the prayer. 
Right here in the doxology, we have the points of praise. You ready? First is this. Yours is the kingdom. How many know it's his kingdom? It's not Overflow Church's kingdom. Come on, it's not Gateway's Church's kingdom. It might look like it because it's so big. Not Elevation's kingdom. It's not Bethel's kingdom. It's not the Southern Baptist Convention's kingdom. It's not that nobody's kingdom. You know whose kingdom it is? It's God's kingdom. So I'm going to be careful when I talk about those that are part of it because it's his kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. This is the declaration. What are we saying? We're saying, Jesus, you are the king. The dominion is all yours. The whole kingdom is yours. We, we praise you for your marvelous leadership. We recognize, Jesus, you are the first and the last ruler of the universe. Yours is the kingdom. You rule every power. You rule every darkness. You rule every broken emotion. You rule over dysfunction. You rule over every bit of sin, every bit of shame, every bit of darkness. You rule over it. You see when you get into the prey? You rule over every addiction, every dysfunction. You're the ruler. Philippians 2, 9. God exalted him to the highest place. Jesus is on the highest place. He's in the highest throne room, Pastor Emlyn. Sometimes he's sitting, sometimes he's standing, but he's in the highest place. And God gave him the name that's above every name. The name that's bigger than cancer. The name that's bigger than depression. Come on, the name that's bigger than even racism. The name that's bigger than any political candidate. It's his kingdom. It's bigger than any political platform. It's bigger, bigger than any, any broken, messed up Soviet system. Or social system. It's the kingdom of God. And he's the great king. He's the name, the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And every tongue acknowledge, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, did you know that one day, there's coming a day. I don't know when that day is going to be, but there's coming a day that every person that ever lived will stand face to face with the king of glory. That man who's got fire in his eyes and his face is burning like a billion suns. We're going to stand before this glorious Messiah, this glorious rescuer. Every human that's ever lived, we're all going to stand before him and we're going to go, Jesus, you are the Lord. Every last one of us. So I want to make sure that I do that on this side of glory. That I do it on this side. That way I'm not forced into it. Because those that are forced into it, Scripture says they will be cast into outer darkness. I'm going to bow the knee. I'm going to confess the tongue that this kingdom is his kingdom. Then we get into yours is the power. So there you go. There's like 10 minutes of praying. Yours is the power. There's no power like his power. We at Overflow Church, we value power because God is moving today. We're, right? We value what? Power because God is moving today. We value power because God is power. His is the power. He's, 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 we, 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 don't, we don't serve some anemic, weak God. And I think this is what culture has done to Jesus. 
Let's just be real. We think Jesus is this weak little substitute, something that's palatable for us. So we can say, point at Jesus and go, these are the things that we like and ignore all the things that we don't like about Jesus because we think he's some kind of weak, anemic man who's just nice to everyone. Do not mistake, beloved, his niceness. Do not mistake his kindness or his humility. Do not mistake those for weakness. There is nothing weak about this man, Jesus. He is the all-powerful one. His record is in infinity and zero. He's never been challenged. There's never been an arm wrestling match between him and Satan. That's never happened. Satan has not touched him. He simply was underneath the heel of Jesus. No rival, no equal. Jesus holds all power, all of it. And it's way more than just gets you through the day. It's the answer to every stronghold that the world has. He is, he is not insecure, so he doesn't have a temper problem. He knows he's in charge. He doesn't have to tell anybody. People who have these claims, oh, God was real. He would make this Napkin not land on the floor. You guys have heard that? It's like, so God's not real because he doesn't bend to your demands? Listen, he is powerful and he is not insecure. He doesn't need to prove himself to you. He already did. He stretched out his arms and proved himself. Stretched out his arms and showed how much he loved you. He died on that cross to show his love. He, if that isn't enough, nothing ever will be. Don't mistake his kindness, meekness for weakness. He's competent, completely competent because he holds all power. He has no need for ambition or assertion. He is simply in charge. He is at the mercy of none. He's undefeated. No darkness ravels his light. No light ravels his light. All the light, our little light, fails in comparison. There's no rival. There's no rival. There's no power. Colossians 1.15, the son is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation, for in him and all things were created. Things in heaven, on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things are held together. He holds together. Did you know that everything is held together by Jesus? He's got the whole world. And it's, he's holding it all together. He is the head of the body, the church, his church, his kingdom. And he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that everything, in everything, he might have supremacy. Jesus is supreme. He is all powerful. No threats. He already won. Yours is the glory. Yours is the glory. See, all this boasting. We live in a boasting age. Look at me do that. Look at me do this. Look, I got it on camera. Look, I got it on social media. How many likes can I get? How many fans can I get? How many followers can I get? How many people will know my name? We all just want glory. All of it. All of it belongs to God. All of the glory belongs to him. All my achievements fail in comparison to his achievements. He carries all the weight. His splendor is more brilliant than a billion suns. He is the glorious one. He has the highest crown. 
And so what we do when we receive an inch of glory is, we first of all, we don't put on a false humility that goes, oh, it's only God, because it wasn't that good. We don't receive a great reward and go, I thank God that he empowered me to do all this. And somehow include that on your statement, thinking that that actually brings glory to God. I thank God that I'm able. Do you see that? How about you just thank the Lord? You can. And I'm not saying that's always messed up. I think that's great. But if that's the end of it, you've missed it. The glory is his. So what you do when you get those compliments because you've done well, because you're doing it for him. And scripture says that they will be, they will have glory on us. We will have glory, but it's his glory that's on us, that's resting on us. So you might not even say the right thing at the ceremony. But when you get before the Lord, you go, God, all of it, the whole time, the way I started, the way I finished, it's just been to you. So it changes the way I flip burgers at McDonald's because I'm doing it for God's glory. It changes the way I drive in traffic because I'm doing it for God's glory. God's working on me on that. It changes the way I run my business. It changes the way I treat my spouse. It changes the way that I treat the stranger because I recognize that I'm just doing it all for the glory of God. I'm ascribing him glory. I'm not pretending I lack value because we all are valuable. But we are acknowledging the source of our value. Then he gets into this statement, forever. (laughs) Yours is the kingdom. Forever. It's the everlasting kingdom. His, his reign is never going to end. Nobody else is going to take up the throne. Jesus is forever, forever going to be on the throne. Always. It's sealed. Permanent. Are you kidding us? His kingdom has no end. His power has no end. It is absolutely unlimited. It's forever. When God touches something, it moves forever. When God touches something, it just sets it into motion and it moves throughout eternity. His power knows no end. Forever is a very long time. It's a very long time. I'm going to love you forever. Right? We've heard that. Listen, this is not subject to change. I know you see that disclaimer everywhere. Our policies may be subject to change. This, that, and the other is my, listen, this is not subject to change. His glory, his power, his kingdom will never end. That's not changing. What needs to change is me conforming to that. What needs to change is the world looking like heaven. This isn't temporary. It's permanent. And the greatest reward will be eternity gazing at this glorious one and us being still blown away by him in 10 billion years. This is how fast people are like, oh, I'm going to be boring. I'm going to have a little, little piano on a, on a cloud or I'm going to have a mansion or something. Listen, if you think that's what heaven is, you have no idea how glorious this man Jesus is that we get forever. We get him forever. And he finishes the prayer with this, amen. Same thing we sing a song, amen. Preacher says something good, amen. Right? Hope so, hope you do. 
Love it, like it when you do. Helps me when you do. Someone says something on Facebook about the president. We say amen. Uh-oh. Honor up. Even if you didn't vote for him, you're honoring up. What does amen mean? Amen means this. So be it. So be it. Not really so be it. It's like, so be it. It's going to happen. Amen is a faith declaration. It means so be it. It's going to happen. The things I just prayed for, the delivering me from evil, the forgiving those. See, that's why you don't have to ask to be forgiven every day. You already prayed. So be it. It's done. I prayed for my needs. So be it. God's good. He answers. His power knows no end. So be it. So be it. So be it. Faith, amen means this, to be firm, to be secure, to be unchanging. So be it. It's that word that it says in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, when God started giving Abraham this promise for his offspring, the promise that we've been talking about, the promise of this land. This is what he says. It says, the scriptures say this, that Abraham believed the Lord. That word believed is this, amen. God said it. Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And he goes, amen. So be it. So be it. So be it. Listen, when God gives you a word. When you finish a prayer, you don't go, amen. Jesus' name, amen. Stop that. You get that praise up in you and you go, so be it. I believe God. And it says this in the New Testament, that Abraham believed God and it accredited him for righteousness. He was made righteous. Not because he was good. He was made righteous because he looked at what God said and he said, so be it. So be it. God, you said it. That settles it. I believe. So be it. I can walk away from this moment with confidence and security.